بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في العربين جل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعلنا من أعوانه وأنصاره We discussed about human nature and the innate nature that God has given us in the form of fitrah. So now we continue with the discussion about dignity. This is a very fundamental topic. And if you want to expand, you can refer to the series we had in the months of Ramadan, we had 10 lectures on dignity in Islam, which is available on the cloud. Uh, now I just mentioned very briefly some of the main ideas about dignity. You know, in the West, the issue of human rights and human dignity uh, have become important but not for very long. When we look at divine religions, when we look at Abrahamic faith, we find actually this topic was always present, the topic of human dignity. Especially in the Quran, we have great respect for human beings. There are many different aspects of human dignity in the Quran, but uh, I'm not going to mention except those which are in the book. If you want, inshallah, you can refer to those lectures. One of the very first things that we find in the Quran is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, <coughs> even before creating Adam, informed the angels about his decision, his will to appoint a vicegerent, a khalifa on the earth. Even before creating Adam. He said, I'm going to create a man, a human being, and I'm going to make him my khalifa, my vicegerent on the earth. And also, Allah said, when I complete his creation after I finish the creation of man and blow into him from my spirit then you should do sajda for him and this is also a good lesson for us when you expect people to do something you should start preparation from long time before. So even Allah, before creating Adam, has started preparing angels about this. So, although angels were there, and other creatures, but it was only Adam that Allah was pleased to be his vicegerent on the earth. And you know the story that the angels had a question about why there is a need to have Adam as God's vicegerent while they are there. 
and they always praise him and glorify him. In any case, the fact that Adam, and not only Adam, also the progeny of Adam have the potential of becoming Khalifatullah is very important. I am saying it was not exclusive to Adam because if it was only Adam, then the angels would not have said, to shed blood, to do mischief, were not something that angels thought about Adam doing these things. They knew that this is going to continue after Adam, other human beings are going to be created, and they could see that some of those human beings are going to do some mischief. So, Adam was Khalifatullah, other human beings have the potential of becoming Khalifatullah. In every age there must be one Khalifatullah. This by itself is a great honor for human beings. There is a verse in the Quran that you can you know, make note of it because I think it's not in the book, which is very important verse, or maybe it is coming in the book later, not this page. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي This is a, one of the key verses about the issue of dignity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي We have honored the children of Adam. And if you want the reference is verse 70 of chapter 17. Verse 17 of chapter 17, which is Surah Isra. وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي آدَمِ We have honored, dignified children of Adam. So this is something which happens at the time of creation. Every human being, by default, by creation, by nature, has been given honor. This is very important. We don't believe in <coughs> vicious nature of human beings. We don't believe that human beings are affected by original sin. In the book Self-Knowledge, you know, I have explained that we have positive image of human beings. So Allah says we have honored all children of Adam. And enabled them to move and carry their goods, you know, the ability of transportation, whether it be in you know, sea or land. And gave them as sustenance pleasant things. So we are giving them tayyabat, pleasant things. We have raised them 
over many of our creatures. We have raised them above or over many, kathiran, many of our creation. It's very important to note that Allah doesn't say we have raised them over all our creation or over rest of our creation. It says many of our creation. What does it mean? In the time of creation, human beings are given freely. Okay, freely means you have not yet done anything. So whatever you are given is gift. Human beings are given freely or human beings are gifted with some qualities that makes them better than many creatures. But this doesn't mean that a human being at the time of birth is better than angels. A human being at the time of birth is better than, for example, plants or animals, but not better than angels. You have the potential of upgrading yourself and becoming better even than angels or you may degrade yourself and go lower than animals. There are people who live just like animals or even they are worse than animals. Because if a human being does what animals do, we don't blame the animal, we blame the human being, yeah? So it means that human beings are in a worse situation. What is natural for a human being to do, for an animal to do, is not expected from a human being to do if it is not at the level of humanity. Okay. So, at the time of birth, you have a level of perfection that makes you better than many creatures, but not than all. After that, you can upgrade yourself and become better than all the angels, or you can go lower. Khalifatullah, the vicegerent of God, is the one who has gone so high that he becomes even closer to God than angels. There is such potential. Now the question is, this is not in the book, but you should remember this, that why some people say human beings are ashraf makhlukat, the most noble of creatures, the best creatures? The answer is, to be precise, we should not say human beings are ashraf makhlukat. Human beings are not the most noble creature. What we have in the Quran is that 
the creation of man is the best creation. But the man by creation is not the best. You get it? I repeat, the creation of man is the best. But man by creation, by default, is not the best. By default is better than many. We have raised them over many of our creatures. They have honor. They have been raised over many, but not above all. But when it comes to the creation of man, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fatabarakallahu ahsanul khaliqeen. You know this verse that Allah talks about. Let me give you also the reference if you want to. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to different stages of creation of man. And then he says, Fatabarakallahu ahsanul khaliqin. Surah Mu'minun, verse 14. The verse starts with different stages of creation. After creation of body, completion of body, Allah said we gave it another creation, which is the creation of the soul. Then Allah says, May God be blessed who is the best of creators. So, referring to the creation of human being, Allah says he is the best of creators. He didn't say this for other creatures. It was only when he referred to the creation of man that he said he is Ahsanul Khaliqi. So, if God is Ahsanul Khaliqin because he has created human beings, it means that the creation of human beings is the best. And we have this also in other places. Laqad Khalaqna al Insan fi Ahsani Taqweem. We have created man in the best form. So now I have a question for you. How it comes that creation of man is the best? But human beings at the time of creation are not necessarily the best. Is it clear? So from some verses of the Quran, we argue that we are not the best. When we are born, we are better than many. You have the potential of being the best, but not actually at the time of birth. On the other hand, Allah says, Creation of man is the best creation. How these two can be put together? The answer is, creation of man is the best because this creation involves free will. This creation involves the potential of upgrading yourself. And of course, the cost of it is that you may also degrade yourself. So sometimes I use this example that imagine if we have two factories who produce computer. One factory 
produces the fastest computer in the market. Okay? The fastest computer in the market. The other factory produces a computer which is faster than many computers, but it's not the fastest, but has the potential of upgrading itself to be even faster than the fastest which is in the market. Which production line is better? The second. So although the computer which comes out of the production line is not actually the best, but this production line is the best because it has created computers which have the ability to upgrade themselves and become fastest, absolutely fastest. This is better. So the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for human beings is the best creation. But this doesn't mean that human beings by birth, they are the best. Okay? So, this is the dignity and honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given human beings. And because of this general honor, all human beings deserve respect. Whether they are mu'min or not, whether they are, I don't know, educated or not, rich or poor, every human being by default deserves respect. Amir al as you know, in his letter to Malik Ashtar, he said, People are one of the two groups. Either they are your brother in faith or they are similar to you in creation. So every human being respects, deserves, uh, sorry, deserves respect. But in addition to this God-given respect, you can do some things to receive more honor, more respect. And therefore some people become more honorable. In Surah Hujarat, Allah says, the most honorable of you, the most respected of you, in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the most pious. So it means that there is a level of karama that all human <coughs> beings have. It's not conditional upon Iman. It's not conditional upon having any knowledge or whatever. But if you want to be higher in this ladder of karama, you should do something extra. You should show your appreciation of that initial offer of karama and build upon it to receive higher. And of course, some human beings, unfortunately, they may do some mischief that they may damage their own honor. 
So the initial honor is not conditional upon Iman, it's not conditional upon Taqwa, it's not conditional upon knowledge. With Taqwa, with Iman, with knowledge, you can add to your honor. But it doesn't mean that if you do bad things, then your initial honor remains the same. Again, that can be reduced. If someone becomes like Namrud or like Pharaoh, like uh, Hitler, like Saddam, so it means that they have reduced their own initial honor. Of course, some level of honor, respect, and respect remains, but they are not like a newborn baby. A newborn baby has more honor than a person who has done mischief. But a newborn baby does not have that honor that a pious person has, a virtuous person has, a knowledgeable person has. Is it clear? So we have honor which is obtained, we call it ektesabi, is acquired, and we have honor which is given by God. Issues like, a, like a freedom, equity, peace, security, human rights, all are originating from this honor that Allah has given, and therefore all these things have roots in Abrahamic religions. For example, let us talk about Azadi or Hurriya or freedom. In Arabic we call it Hurriya, in Farsi we say Azadi, in English we say freedom. One of the requirements or outcomes of human dignity is that humans are free to choose their own beliefs. No one should force people to believe in something. We are responsible, of course. It's not that, you know, unfortunately some people don't get it right. When we say you are free to do something or you are free to make your decision, they think that it means that they just follow their desires and, you know, their dreams and their wish. And no matter what they choose, it's okay. No. You are free and therefore responsible, okay? So every decision that you make, you will see the outcomes and you have to accept the responsibility for taking that decision. But it is your decision. No one should force you to believe in this religion or that religion. No one should force you to believe in this idea or that idea. Freedom of thinking, freedom of belief, freedom of religion. These are important aspects of human dignity. <clears throat> but of course they come with responsibility. <coughs> As you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, La ikraha There is no compulsion faith. In Al-Mizan he says, this is something that has its foundation also in the way we are created. Belief is something that cannot be imposed. You know, I can not be forced to believe in something. I can be forced to do something. 
I can be forced to say or, you know, to keep silent. But belief is a matter that you have full control over it. No one can put the belief or Iman in someone's heart by force. Yeah? You can make sure that they do something. You can say, you know, if you don't do this, I kill you. But you cannot say, if you don't believe in this religion, I kill you. Okay. They may say something, but they don't believe. Iman is not something that can be created by force. Iman comes when someone appreciates and is convinced. So one aspect of freedom is freedom for choosing your ideas, your religion, your faith, your beliefs. Another aspect of freedom is social freedom. In society, every person should be able to live with freedom. To do for themselves what they think is appropriate. Unfortunately, in some political systems, they don't give this freedom of speech or freedom of, I don't know, voting or freedom of doing, you know, political activities to people. They limit it or they totally stop it. But this is part of the uh, freedom. Amir al said, لا تكون عبد غيرك قد جعلك الله حرة. Don't be a slave of any other person. Do not let anyone enslave you. Allah has created you free. Therefore, in Islamic theory of politics, we believe that no one is able to demand obedience from people unless they themselves want. If you have, for example, few people or few millions of people, no one can demand obedience from others. Even the majority cannot demand obedience from minority unless both majority and minority adhere to a system. If they 100% accept that system and within that system, for example, majority uh, has been given the power to rule over minority, that's fine. Otherwise, if they don't want, no one can force them to obey. Because sometimes even, you know, majority can become dictators. You know, they have to be careful about minorities. So people should be politically, socially free. A third dimension of freedom, which is very important, is what you may call internal freedom or spiritual freedom. And that is the freedom which comes when you have control over your emotions, over your desires. Unfortunately, many people that even they may be socially or politically free, even people who have power, statesmen, presidents, kings, they may not have the third type of freedom, the internal freedom. And that is to do something that you have good reasons to do, not something that the intention, the, sorry, the desires or uh, appetites push you. I don't know if you have had this experience, I'm sure you must have this experience. 
that sometimes you very much want to do something, but you feel there is a kind of resistance inside you. For example, you want to do Salatul Layl, you want to do Tahajjud. Okay? Even before going to sleep, you make the intention and you set up the alarm, but then when the time of Tahajjud comes, the alarm is you know, ringing, you feel you are not able to wake up. Yeah? It's you are as if you are chained up. You need to be free from that pressure. Some people are free. So when they know something is good, they do it. Some people are not free. Most of people are not free. When they know something is good, they still they cannot do it. There is an internal resistance, internal force that keeps them not able to move. Or for example, sometimes we have bad habits. For example, you eat too much, I don't know, chocolates. Someone smokes. Someone speaks too much. Sometimes you really want to stop. But you see that you cannot stop. Not because someone is forcing you. Not, some, not because you are, for example, programmed to do so. No, you can stop. But still, you cannot stop. Why? Because that internal freedom is not there. Unfortunately, this is the freedom that is not receiving enough attention in the modern world. If they speak about freedom, they mostly speak about social freedom, political freedom. But when it comes to that spiritual freedom, that internal freedom, you only hear this from a spiritual and religious people, not from politicians or political parties that much. And this is very much needed, because if this freedom is not there, then you cannot use your other types of freedom properly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us enough of power to live freely, to decide for ourselves what we should do. But you need to strengthen your willpower. Willpower is very important. Inshallah, in the discussion about prophethood, we talk about willpower. Determination is very important. Most of people have problem in determination. They cannot do what they know that they should do. Those who don't know what they sh should do is different. But many people, maybe most of people, know certain things need to be done, still they cannot do it. For example, they know that they should not be selfish, they should not be greedy, but still they cannot stop. So this is the freedom which is very important aspect of human dignity. Another discussion is security. Or amn. Amn in Arabic or amniyat in Farsi or security is another aspect of human dignity. Human beings should be able to live free from fear, from dangers. Islam emphasizes on 
the need for security. But Islamic understanding of security is not something only physical. Normally when they say security, they mean that your physical life should not be endangered. You should not be killed or attacked or injured or your money should not be robbed. But Islamic understanding of security is much more than that. Not only you should not be physically attacked or your money should not be taken away, your reputation also must not be attacked. You all have heard this hadith from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which he said, Al-Muslimu man salum al-Muslimun min yadahi wa Muslims are those who would not harm other Muslims by their tongue or their hand. It means that other Muslims feel safe with respect to their hands or their tongues. If I don't attack you, I don't take your money away, but I say harsh words to you that would damage your reputation or your honor or annoy you, hurt, hurt you, or do backbiting or, you know, I don't know, accuse you falsely. These are all prohibited because these damage the comprehensive security that people should have. This security is internal and external, personal and interpersonal. This is the salam, the comprehensive peace that we should have. You know, sometimes you work hard for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and because of that, people respect you. Unfortunately, then you see someone comes and damages your reputation. This should not be the case. Sometimes this is worse than killing someone. Okay? So when a person is doing something in society, he should not be worried that other people may attack my reputation, may damage my reputation. Unfortunately, when you go into politics or when you go to, you know, to social activities, sometimes some people who disagree they attack your personality, your character, they accuse, they... This is not Islamic. I should feel safe with respect to my body, my money, my children, my house, my family, my car, but also I should be safe with respect to my reputation, which is more important than many other things. So, Islam has a comprehensive package for security, which is internal and external, personal and interpersonal, physical and spiritual. The other issue is equity. Unfortunately, some people before the advent of Islam and even after the advent of Islam, 
they had some kind of racism in their mind. Some people thought that because they are Arabs, they are better than non-Arabs. Or some people thought because they are Persians, they are better than non-Persians. Some people thought maybe because, for example, they are white, they are better than black. This racism has no place in Islam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa according to hadith which is in the book, said, no Arab has any privilege over non-Arab, or vice versa. No black over white, or white over black. The only privilege comes with taqwa. And taqwa is something that everyone can achieve. If preference was given to people based on color, this is not in your hand. You cannot change your color. So this is not fair to give someone more respect and another person less respect because of their color. This is not in their hand. Or because of their race, ethnicity, geographical location. These are not fair. But if we say to people that if you have more virtues, more taqwa, more knowledge, more services, you will be promoted. This is good. This is fair and actually wise. Because in this way, you will encourage people to be better. Yeah? Racism is one of the big problems that can even penetrate to religious circles. It's one of the maybe very last things that people can get rid of it. It's racism. And no one should feel safe. You know, even the people who have suffered from racism, they may themselves become racist. You know, you may be a black person who suffered from racism, and then you yourself develop racism against the white. It's possible. You may be, for example, an Asian who has suffered from Western people, and then you become yourself racist against the Western people. Or vice versa. We should totally leave aside racism. We should look at human beings equally, as far as color is concerned, or gender is concerned, or ethnicity is concerned, they are equal. Yes, when it comes to taqwa, to akhlaq, to knowledge, they can be different. But we should not underestimate any group of people because of their ethnicity, or their race, or gender, or whatever. Then there is a discussion in the book about slavery. You know, in the course of human history, unfortunately, there was a sad element of slavery. When Islam came, slavery was also practiced very, you know, wide, it was very widespread in that society, slavery, and all over the world. But, Islam managed to stop slavery very soon, much earlier than other parts of the world. Slavery finished in the Islamic world. 
Because first, Islam emphasized on equality of human beings. Second, Islam encouraged people to free slaves. You know, there is a great reward promised for those who free slaves. The compensation for some of the sins was freeing slaves. This was the kafara, compensation for some sins. Islam said you should treat slaves as your family members. You know, many Muslims married to slaves. And when you have a child from, for example, a slave or, you know, uh, a maid, then there are rules for being automatically freed, even if the person doesn't want. So, encouraging people to bring them into family, to marry, to have children, to free them automatically, or free them as recommendation, or free them as compensation, stopped slavery very soon. And when it came to the ways of becoming slaves, because, you know, one way to make people as a slave was to attack. They used to attack other tribes or other nations and take people as slaves. Islam didn't recognize this. The only case that remained for slavery was in certain types of wars, not all types of wars, in certain types of wars, when the people who were fighting the truth, they were killing Muslims, and then they were arrested as captives, not attacking people and take them as hostage and take them as a slave. This is for the people who were killing, fighting, and if in the process of war they were taken. So there were few options. Sometimes they were freed. Sometimes they were exchanged with Muslim hostages or captives. Sometimes they were asked to teach Muslims how to read and write, and then they were freed. So for example, Rasulullah once said, you know, every person who teaches 10 Muslims how to read, they will be freed. Sometimes they were exchanged with other Muslim captives or with some uh, money, and sometimes they were taken as captives. This was one of the options, not the only option. And this was better than killing them, because what battle was going on. If they were freeing them, they may have come back. So they didn't want to kill them. And there was no, you know, like a prison to put them in prison. And maybe putting prison is not a good idea, because then the person for all his life is going to suffer. So they were coming to the Muslim families and living like a member of the family. And many of them, after being educated, they were freed. So the 
source for becoming a slave was very, very, very limited. And therefore, with all these different things, slavery stopped very early. But unfortunately, you know, up to recent, in the West, uh, slavery was practiced. And you know, many, many Muslims were taken as captives from Africa, and they were brought to the West. Many of them, they don't know that they have Islam in their you know, origin. Mm -hmm. but many of these black people, they were Muslims mm -hmm. in the past. So anyway, slavery is not accepted in Islam. The other thing is abortion. We leave this discussion for, inshallah, next week. Anything that shows lack of respect to human life is condemned. And abortion is a lack of respect for human life. Because we believe a human being, whether is born or not, whether it is young or old, whether it is in burial or after birth, human being is special and should be respected. There are very, very narrowly defined cases in which abortion may be allowed. For example, before the spirit is created, if the life of mother is in danger, maybe that time is exception. But generally speaking, after pregnancy starts, after pregnancy starts, the abortion is not permitted. Inshallah, we discuss this uh, ne uh, next week. To prepare yourself, if you like, I have a paper called Towards Islamic Bioethics. You can read that paper for next week to prepare, inshallah, yourself for the discussion about abortion and other issues. Towards an Islamic Bioethics. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين